Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin-Taylor, the doo-doo diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week, I'll be bringing you industry know-how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Doo-Doo Divas Smells Like Money podcast. Today, I am so excited about the guest that we are visiting with because I've been wanting to bring him onto the show for a very long time. And that is Mr. Jim Lauria. And he is the VP of Sales and Marketing for Mazzy Injector Company. But many of you who are on LinkedIn may know him better as the author of the To Know Water is To Love Water blog, and also one of the co-hosts of the What Are We Talking About podcast. And so I've been following Jim's content for a long time on the To Know Water and Love Water and just like really, really love what he has to say. So I'm so excited that we finally got to connect and that I have at last gotten a, a fellow, I would say, champion for the industry to be on this podcast with me. Great, Suzanne. Thanks a lot. I really am uh, pleased to be here with you. Well, Jim, as as someone who, I mean, when we were offline talking about bringing you on the show, it's that we both, as like preaching to the choir, we both understand that the secret to good marketing is education or in a simpler term, storytelling. And this is something that you're really good at. It's something that I, you know, I kind of pride myself is because it's a passion of mine. And so what I want to talk about today on the podcast is the art of storytelling as it relates to our industry. And as a fellow storyteller, I want you to share with the audience, what are some of the key components that make up a good story that people need to start incorporating into their marketing messaging, whether it be at a trade show, when they're doing a presentation, on social media, on their blog, whatever, that really constitutes a great story that is going to hook people, get them excited, want them to engage and collaborate. Because you know and I know at the end of the day, he who tells the best story wins. And so with that, have at it, Jim. Sure, Suzanne. So, I mean, the, the most important thing, I think, to start with is you really need to know your audience, whether it's a presentation at a trade show or at a conference, or if you're writing a blog post or an article or a case study. Really, I mean, the message has to be targeted to that audience. And so for us at Maisie, we have so many different applications of our technology to different water segments. So the message we would send to people using our technology in the irrigation market, for example, would be, how do you improve your crop or drought compared to 
a municipality that's looking at it for disinfection of drinking water or treating wastewater, it's around that 20 year life cycle cost. And then if it's an industrial customer, it's all around return on investment. So the first place to start, regardless of what it is, is really to know who you're trying to target. And then the other thing about it is you want to be engaging. You want to be entertaining. You don't want to just go and talk about the benefits of your technology. Mm. People get turned off by that. They, 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 if, if they're not interested, they're not interested. So the idea is to really look at the bigger trends in an industry and talk about that, even if it doesn't apply to your particular technology, to your product or service. You want to build credibility about what you know about the industry that's engaging to the people that you're involved with. So, you know, that's an important aspect of, of really storytelling to start with. Well, you brought up a really good, you know, we didn't even think about this, but I'm going to go down the rabbit hole with it. Because Maisie markets to so many different facets, when you're developing your content, because I've been asked this by a number of clients where they have very distinct audiences like let's say they are someone that entrenchless technology for interest for you know just for point of interest here that they are trying to sell or educate the engineers the consulting engineers who might be specking that product and then they're also trying to attract and build confidence and trust with the asset owner being the city that owns those underground utilities and those assets and then the third piece is They've got an installer. They've got a technology, but they're trying to recruit really good installers. So the content for those three audiences, they've all got different hot buttons of what's going to make them be interested. And so for you, like you were just saying earlier, you've got these different markets with different pain points. So when you do that as a person, a storyteller, what's a good formula when you're trying to attract those to, you said knowing your audience, how do you go about that when you really are having to tell different stories for different people? Yeah, it's a good point, uh, Suzanne. So, I mean, it's easy when you're doing it to different market segments because then, then each one is different, right? As I mentioned, but if you're talking about, let's say the municipal industry, right? The municipal utilities, Everybody has a different aspect of it. So the consulting engineers have who are specifying the product, they have a different look at it because they need to look at that total cost of ownership for their utility customer. Utility, they're buying that product. They're operating that product. They're, they're using that product over those 20 years. So the message to them is different than it is to the contractor who's installing it and buying and actually paying for it and installing it. And then, um, you know, the regulators have uh, their interest oh, yeah. of making sure it performs to the specifications that are designed to protect the public health. So each one of those stories should be a little different in how you present it. But um, if you're making a presentation, let's say a conference, you want to hit all those touch points, right. the safety aspects, the maintenance aspects, the energy aspects, um, the footprint, not only in terms of how it is positioned in the actual utility, but also the amount of concrete and steel is required. So all those things take into account different aspects, different audiences that are making a decision around the, purchasing that particular uh, piece of equipment or service or whatever it might be. Yeah, I, I like that is the touch points. Now, 
there's a kind of a theory that I subscribe to, and I pro- you probably do too, that people like to receive information different ways because we all educate differently. And that there's an importance of it being a mix. Some people don't want to, you know, read a long 800 word article, but some people really love to get, you know, deep into the weeds. Some people like the cliff note version. Some people like video. Do you feel that there is, do you agree with me on this, that you need to talk about a subject and cover it in different ways to get the best amount of eyes or coverage on it? And where do you see content going? Do you see things going more towards video as as time goes on in the digital space? Well, I, I think I think we talked about this before. I think any piece of content can be repurposed in many, many different ways. Right. So uh, a white paper can become a PowerPoint presentation that's given at a trade show. That PowerPoint presentation can become a video. That video can become a podcast interview. All these things, the content is really key. And then just repurposing it, again, as you mentioned, for different audiences, different ways people receive it. Um, is really critical. So I wouldn't say there's one specific way of uh, going into the future. I think there's a lot of different things that can be done with similar content. I'm a big fan of case studies. And one of the things that we've done a lot of at Maisie is to do data-driven case studies. So what we've done is Mm -hmm. we found a particular project and we dive deep into that project through our project folders, through our customer information packets, through outsourcing, even information from trade associations, collected all that data for a given project. Some of our partners have information that we don't have. And we built a case study around that to really drive home the the idea that there's some value to whoever uses this technology. And as we spoke about for all the different maintenance, safety, energy, chemical use, water conservation, footprint, everything that people would be interested in and actually have the driven data to back up that case study. I like that because you had mentioned about, you know, making sure it is a data driven case study. Uh, you know, I remember my late husband always saying, Susie, look at the numbers because the numbers don't lie. Always run the numbers. And it was a really good lesson because you can say whatever, but at the, you know, when you're looking at it, you, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what it is. He's on Shark Tank. And he says, you have a, your, a right to your own opinion, but you don't have a right to make up your own facts. <laughs> Right, right, right. So, I mean, that's it. That's important. But again, you know, it's not all about the numbers because, I mean, anybody can put up a pump curve and say, look, our pump uh, yeah. is better than your pump. But you have to it's got to be engaging. And what I like to do is kind of um, take that case study and and put it in terms of an overall problem that many, many people are facing in the water industry and taking it down and saying, OK, so this is an overall problem that people are facing. Many people out there, there are a number of ways to solve it. Here's one particular way to solve it. Mm. And here's the reasons why we think it's the right way to solve that particular problem. So you start from a bigger perspective and you drill down more into 
um, what your particular technology can do for that particular project. Excellent. Another thing we discussed was the importance of collaboration, because that's the whole, pre you know, the whole premise behind, you know, our C3 content program is that, you know, content equals credibility that leads to a community of colleagues, customers, and collaboration. And so we as professionals in this industry, I believe, and I believe you do too, and I would like you to address this, is that we need to stop looking at others as competitors and more as collaborators to share our wealth of knowledge for the greater good. And I, you know, I'd like you to kind of dive into that a little bit on, on your thoughts on how we can do a better job of that. Sure. So I'm a big uh, fan of trade associations, being involved in trade associations, exhibiting at trade shows, but more than that, just really getting involved with the, the, the organization. And because I really feel a lot of times people say, you know, trade organizations, you're there, your competitors are going to learn what you're doing. Uh, it's problematic. And, and I feel exact, the exact opposite. I think if we if we really work together in a particular trade organization in the water space, it's really helping. And, and as I always joke and I always say this, um, you know, the 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 old adage, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. Well, if we in the water industry don't understand that concept, there's really no hope for us. Um, and and I, I feel strongly that the more you put into a trade organization in your time and effort, the more it comes back to you about understanding your own industry and really helping to lift that, to lift that, to lift all the boats. So it helps your company as well. And I think it's got to go crossways too, because for a long time, it's been, you know, you've got the culinary water, you've got the wastewater, you got the storm water and people view, oh, we're in these three different buckets and it's us and it's them. And that, but you know what? We're all facing the same problems. Um, I mean, one of the really biggest ones right now is the labor shortage. And, you know, we're all facing the silver tsunami, you know, manufacturing is, but really we're going to be hit hard in this industry. I think probably harder than most, and we're critical for people's health. And so you had a term like there's been that big thing. Oh, it's one water. Cause I'm, I'm actually starting a LinkedIn group called one water insiders for just this kind of, you know, collaboration. But you kind of referred to it. How did you say you said you you prefer to see it as circular, circular water? And what did you mean by that? Well, I, I think if you look at the water cycle in the way humans use water, 70 to 80 percent is used for irrigation, for growing food, oh, okay. uh, fiber and fuel. Right. And 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 that water is. After it's used, it goes back into waterways, it goes back into groundwater, it goes into a lot of different ways that can be problematic because you're extracting that water for industry mm. and for people's uh, 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 consumption, um, you know, the, the urban and, and rural consumption of water for uh, domestic use, right? And so it's one cycle. And, and then as it comes around again, the in, industrial and uh, consumer segments, domestic segments, they produce wastewater that ends up back into these waterways. And if we don't treat that properly, 
And if we do treat it properly, we can use it again for um, irrigation. So it, it, it goes in a circle. And I, I think it's really important to look at it that way, that each step of the process. And you know, I started my career as a process engineer. And I'm always thinking about what's the step before and what's the step after and how are we impacting the, the, the our step in the process with what's happening before us and what's happening after us. So it's more circular than anything else. So getting back again, like just storytelling and content, I think one of the important things with education is also training. Not only are, you know, existing people that are in there so that they have more skills, but training the next wave of young professionals coming in and you know, most of these kids, they've grown up from the time they were like two or three years old, having a cell phone in their hands. So I'd like you to share what's been your experience or what you see that content folks need to do in preparing the right, I guess, stories or the type of content to really train and educate to keep people engaged with what we do, not just for marketing, but for our own internal, like how are we going to make this industry better? What well, are some I think the things that, we need to incorporate? Well, I think, I think you, you know, the idea of storytelling is really important because if we don't tell what a story, someone else is going to tell it for us. And, and we need to there tell a story. Again, as I said, it's about the audience, right? So we need to tell stories to the younger generations um, about water in different ways than we've been telling the stories to ourselves uh, mm. as, as boomers. Um, that's one of the reasons why I teamed up with Adam Tank, who's a millennial for our podcast, because I felt he had a better understanding of how to meet the millennials where they were than me as a boomer. And I'm telling the stories from a, a boomer's perspective, which is good. I mean, well, we still have a lot of us in the in the industry. And as you mentioned, you know, we're starting to look towards our retirement years. And so it's our responsibility to keep the emphasis on how important water is and telling water story from from our perspective. So, um, again, it's about the audience. And where do we meet those 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 younger generations? We meet them on TikTok. We meet them in, in in different ways of of telling water story that you know typically wouldn't be something that maybe a, a boomer like me would be involved with. That's a really good yeah. Talking to them in their language, um, I I had I learned something and we talked about it offline and it really shocked me of how many gallons of water it takes to manufacture one automobile. And the number was astounding. I spoke to this woman on, on a podcast earlier. And when she told me the number, it was 40,000 gallons. I've, I've heard upwards of 100,000 gallons. Wow. Um, but, I guess she was saying know, maybe the average, the average American car, maybe on a luxury car or or something. Well, I mean, I mean, you have to look at you have to look at everything, right? The paint, right? right? The coatings, how, how is that impacted water, um, all the electronic components, the mining of the minerals, the, the plastic wow. parts are, are oil uh, generated. So, yep. I mean, it's not only the idea of th that manufacturing facility and how much water that might make in the assembly of it. It's also those components, 
the, the aluminum, the steel, what, whatever are those components, they have some embedded water in them. And so, you know, it's a wide range, but it, it's a lot of water for every for everything. Anything you look at, the food that you eat, the clothes that you wear, um, your cell phone, there's 60, 70 mined minerals in that um, in that cell phone. And I, I was a former CEO of a, a mining company, and I know how much water it takes to, to produce minerals. And uh, so so everything we have to be cognizant of everything that we, we use and dispose of. Um, because that's water that's being sent to a landfill or, um, and so recycling anything is going to help with recycling water. Well, in closing, I, you know, maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't, but I think you probably can, is that if someone is just starting out and they say, I, I want to learn how to be a better storyteller. I want to tell better stories for my company a formula of things that they're going to produce the very first piece of content, or they're going to, they're going to try that yeah. because they know their story better than anybody else. But yeah. let's say they're going to work with, with a storyteller or a professional writer, but they got to get it out of their head. So the writer can, can polish yeah. is that you said about knowing the audience. Yes, that's very important and coming up with a good topic. But when you write your stories, not, not that I want you to give away your trade secrets, but when you start telling your story, what are the key elements that you make sure that you include in all of your stories from start to finish, you know, taking them down the garden path that you feel make up successful stories? Yeah. So first of all, I think it has to be authentic. So I have a natural curiosity about water and I'm always looking at things from a water's perspective. I see something and I, I think it would make a nice story about water. And so I'm always, I'm, I'm kind of like a detective, right? A, 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 I would say like almost like an investigative reporter and trying try to come up with some kind of angle on the story, right? And, and we said, know your audience. And, and think about that is, is an important part. And, and I'd say, uh, Suzanne, the, the, the most important thing is get started. If, if you see um, uh, a, uh, a crew working on a broken water main, you know, take some photos, take a video. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a blog post. It doesn't have to be a big story. Just some kind of content. People are interested in things. It, it's amazing the things I've posted and people come up to me at trade shows. Oh, I love that story. I love that article. I love those photos. Um, it's 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 just just get started on on something about water, and and it'll grow from there. Have a natural curiosity, and um, you know, and be authentic. I, I like to include things that that about me personally, and how I'm affected by these things. People want to see that. Otherwise, it's just. You know, you can go into ChatGPT right. and you can put in, hey, write me a water story. It, it, it'll come up with something. But certainly it's not going to be authentic and it's not going to be relevant to you. And people people like people, right? They they want to they want to hear about people's stories and and that's unique and 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 again, authentic. I love how you just said that, especially putting in, you know, with AI. Everybody seems to think that, oh, I'll just put in the AI. And that you're going to replace the human writer in the human brain. And no, 
it might be able to give you, because I've used it myself. Like sometimes when I've had a block, I'll just throw some things in there and it'll give me maybe a kickstart, but it's never going to replace, like you said, that authentic feeling from the heart that only a human can interject in telling the story or telling the writing. It's a very valuable tool. It's very it powerful. Is. I, use, I, use, I use ChatGPT every single day uh, in my writing and in my work, but uh, nothing replaces the humanness. Uh, and that's really the, the fiber uh, of, of the tapestry. If you're trying to build mm -hmm. a tapestry of a story, right? The, the, the chat GPT is a small fiber through that. And you want your humanity to be more of the fiber of that story than, than what you can get from AI. Right. Cause it is, it isn't human. It's only going to get your absolute, you're absolutely right. So for those who are thinking that they can replace the writers, no, they can't. Um, and, and, you know, nothing can replace your own voice too, is that, I, I, and there are many times where I've been out on, you know, on LinkedIn and I've read posts and as you're reading them, it's, I guess, cause I'm a writer is that you can tell when it's been AI generated and they've just posted it out there and haven't had it anything, what I call, they haven't put any of their own soul into it. And then I start to tune it out because I think that's why I love your writing, Jim, that even though you are probably using, you know, chat, you're using that to help you get started, but there's still so much of your own heart and soul in it that that's what makes me want to come back and keep reading this. So I would say thank, thank you for sharing that because I think that is something that people forget in the age of technology is that technology is good to a point. But also, um, I think sometimes when we rely too much on the machines, that I think in the long run, it's going to hurt us as creative beings. That whether you believe in God, I don't want to get you know philosophical or religious here, but the man upstairs gave us a brain. And he gave us a brain for a reason. He wants us to be creative. And if we stop losing it, or, you know, stop, stop using it, we lose it. I truly believe in something, um, you know, I'll just share, I, my dad was a PhD in physical chemistry and taught on a university level for many, many years. And when he retired, when he stopped using that creative part of his brain and communication, not, I truly believe there's a correlation between it because not long after that, he started to develop the signs of dementia. And then it led into full-blown Alzheimer's. Now, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but I'm thinking there must be. It's just like when we stop exercising, our muscles get weak and the brain is a muscle. And so I think we need to use our own thought and our own creativity. And maybe we're not great writers and ChatGPT can help us be writers, but I think we still need to tap our brains for our thoughts, our feelings, and how we tell our story. Don't let the machine tell the story for you. Maybe right. it'll give you a right. kickstart, but it's you, a good tool. To, you have to be the one to take it over the finish line and let it be in your own voice. Well, ChatGPT is a good tool. I mean, I, I yep. like I said, I use it every single day. And, and it really helps a lot, but it can't be the replacement. I mean, it, I look at it like a calculator, right? When, when, I, yes. when, I, 
when when I was in school, I started uh, in college using a slide rule, and and then calculators came out. I didn't forget how to do math, um, right. and 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 of course, you know, and and calculators became Excel spreadsheets, and you know, all right. the things that help us do complex mathematical uh, equations and and things to help us with our work. We didn't we didn't forget how to do math, but now we can do it faster. And so that's how I look at, you know, mm-hmm. AI and chat GPT in terms of writing. It's not going to replace the, the human brain around, uh, you know, putting a story together and making it personal because only I have my uh, experiences and right. only you have your experiences. And so that's that's how you can really separate yourself from people that are just generating stories using AI. And that's, I think, what builds such a good following is that when people sense you are authentic, you are speaking from the heart and that you are actually making a contribution to the industry and to your customers, they will want to hear, oh, I wonder what Jim is going to write about next. I mean, that's that's why I'm hooked. So. Jim, I want to thank you for, you know, being on the show. And for those who want to follow Jim, I would say get on LinkedIn, you know, connect with him, basically subscribe, you know, really, I encourage you subscribe to that. It's a LinkedIn newsletter, right? The uh, That's right, yeah. water is to love water and it's his personal right. blog and also tune into his podcast. Again, it was water. We t- love that play on word water. <laughs> we talking about. And his company, you want to give us the website for your company so people want to know sure, uh, what you're behind? Yeah, it's www.mazy.net. Mazy.net. And how do you spell that? It's M A Z Z E I dot net. I. Okay, dot net. Yeah, M A Z Z E I dot net. All right. And his contact information is in the show notes below. I really encourage you follow his, con- it's some really, really good stuff. It's not just educational, but it's really entertaining at the same time. So really connect with Jim and follow that content. And, and maybe it'll even give you some tips that you can take a play from his playbook on how to start writing your own content by following this formula that he uses, which as a fellow industry writer, it works. And so, Jim, thank you for coming on the show. Really, you know. Thanks, Suzanne. It's my time. pleasure. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yes, me too. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, folks. And until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Doo-Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies, creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you want to learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment, or trenchless, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit Group forward slash B dash A dash podcast dash guest or Simply click the link in the show notes below. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be. You are my superheroes. Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.